You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. We're coming at you rawer than WWE right after the Vikings' tough loss to the Bengals. Sweet Lou, how you feeling after the O and one start? Um, Welcome you know, back, by the way. Yeah, thanks. It's been it's been a great great time off, but uh, pretty bad to come back like this. If I had to say, um, but you know, it was a pretty pretty typical Vikes game, I would say. Uh, very very horrible start. I think they were flagged sixteen or seventeen times. Which is pretty, I, that's the worst penalty performance I could recall from a Vikings game. Um, and then, of course, they come right back into it and give you all the hope in the world. Looks like we're going to win it in overtime. Fumble, that's whether you want to call it a fumble or not. Mike Pereira said, you know, Ike had a great line in the messages before the, before the pod here. Did a loo, um, you know, he's covering his ass. A little, little bit of both sides. Of course, he says, well, it looks like he's down, but I could definitely see them calling it a fumble. So, and Quick then, pull, yep, they, fumble or not fumble? No, he's down. Unbiased. Yeah, I, th- I, I thought he was down too. Mike Pereira has my dream job. He so literally easy. is just, I said it, he's, a, he's a, a good psychic because he says nothing, but it, sounds like he's saying something and it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He says all the same things that every fan since the inception of review in the NFL knows, which is like, you know, call in the field, got to go with the call in the field. You need indisputable video evidence. It's going to be what they made on the field. And they say that stands. That doesn't mean that it's confirmed. Stand, confirmed, overturned, (sighs) all these words. But all he ever does is this one. I think it's this. But I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. And that way, no matter what, he's always right and he's never wrong, but he's also never right. But you don't ever think about it. You're like, just, eh, Pereira, whatever. The call has the emotional values. Then you get more focused in that and you don't care about him. It just seems like a dream job. You just pop into games every once in a while, say a bunch of nothing, uh, look dope in a great three-piece suit and <laughs> call it a Sunday. There are worse jobs out there, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, one more thing I did. Um, I don't know if I was upset about it per se, but um, they were saying something, you know, they talked to the the reporter, talked to Zim at halftime, and he said Kirk was holding on to the ball too long, and that was the reason the offensive line was so bad because he's holding it too long, but they are the ones false starting and, like, holding guys, and I don't know how you can say that. Like, well, that's just completely irrelevant in my mind. Like holding the ball has nothing to do with false starts or holding the guys per se. I mean, holding some things, but I don't. Know. I was uh, I didn't love Zim's take there, but so I was curious to see uh, Kern and Ike as the Zim guy or the Kirk guys. What's your take on that? I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but yeah, I didn't really didn't see the comment or anything. But I, I mean, there's two sides to every coin. I think there are definitely plays where you could tell he held the ball too long, and it's like when my internal clock starts freaking out, you'd think that his would be too to try to just like get the ball out. But I mean, I don't know. I thought our offensive line got worked today by what I thought was, I mean, I I think the Bengals defensive line is like real average, right? Like I don't think this is like 
the Bears offensive or defensive line from like three, four years ago with Khalil Max first season. Like I don't think they're that good, but I think our offensive line made them look really good. I think having Darisaw out is a huge loss for us because Rashad Hill is basically a cone that can just grab stuff. That's like what he does. He's either going to get beat or hold on like half the plays. So that sucks. And then like that was causing some of these false starts. Like he needed to get off the ball so fast just to not get burned or hold that he's then jumping off sides. I mean, he's an absolute liability. Um, And I think all this goes, it's, also just leans into my opinion too on that offensive line is just crucial in the NFL. And if you don't have a good offensive line, it's really hard to win. And our offensive line was bad. I mean, we didn't even run the ball well, which is supposed to be like kind of what our strength is offensive line. I think we only were able to run the ball 21 times. A lot of that has to do with falling behind pretty bad and pretty fast there in the second quarter. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, I just felt like even towards the end of the game, overtime, when we were trying to run, we were getting stuffed. And I don't even know if it was a matter of them selling out to stop the run. I think they had seven guys in the box, and then as soon as they recognized run, safeties were stepping up. But defensive linemen were making these tackles in the backfield. Um, it, yeah, it was, just, it was a really frustrating game from that standpoint. A few little things here and there like that. Um, I think it was the drive, the first drive of the second quarter, or it was either when they scored their second touchdown or third touchdown where it like hit our defender's chest and or like popped out his hands and then they end up catching it for a first down. If he knocks it down, it's fourth and six. If he picks it off, it's our ball. Instead, it pops out and lands in their hands and gets a first down. I thought that was kind of a huge play. Um, uh, the classic joke on like DBs, uh, why they're DBs is for that exact scenario right there. That's why they're not a wide receiver. I said, that. I said, well, that's why he plays cornerback, yeah. and not wide receiver. Just the class. Who was that? McKen- Alexander. Alexander. Yeah, yeah, hit him right in the face. Oh, that was just frustrating. The, the announcer's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that hit him right between the two and the four. And you just, yeah. sometimes it doesn't go your way. It's like, I'm, no, that's just a bleat. Like, how do you not catch that? I was listening to it in the car and Bursich uh, on the radio had a pretty good line. He's like, if that was a bullet, he'd be dead. That's for sure. (laughs) So I hit him right in the chest. Um, Yeah. So I think that was frustrating game. I think there's a lot of blame to go around, but for me, it comes down to the penalties. Like the, I, I think I bet their average third down was probably close to like third and 12. Like we had 20 plus like three or four times, I think. So you just really can't, you're not, you, you can't, you screw over your offensive coordinator. You screw over your quarterback. You screw over everyone when you're just in these third and really long situations, because then the defense, it's pretty easy to play defense when you just start doing a borderline prevent at that point. So a few things there, I think we, there were some missed opportunities. I really enjoyed the last drive though, the, of the regulation, I thought KJ Osborne made some great catches. That one on fourth and four, kind of slant play, diving across the middle, that kind of got me a little excited. Just gutsy. seeing him, that was gutsy. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, but there really was not a huge lot of highlights for me from this game. I thought it was just kind of a shitty game for the Vikings all around. Um, our corners got exposed. Rashad Breland may be the worst corner we've had in a long time. If this is how it's going to go all year for him, he looked horrible. And they were literally going after him. It's kind of like you could have pointed at him before the snap if the wide receiver just wanted to like signal to the quarterback, like you can throw it this way because he's on me. That's kind of how it felt for a little while there, which 
um, was really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. First half of this first half of this game was preseason game number four for the Vikings. Like they had so many issues. Like we've all we've talked about. Everybody saw it up front. I mean, you can't have that many penalties and and take yourself seriously in the NFL. Like week one to just roll out like that. That's brutal. That's a team that just wasn't ready to play a unit that wasn't prepared. And then they kept talking about like, oh, the like crowd noise is affecting their like communication ability on the field. And this is a half empty Bengals stadium. Bingo. If that crowd noise is doing stuff to your offensive line, communicating with your quarterback, you got deep, deep issues because that's not going to get easier. That's not going to get better as the season goes on. When you start playing really good teams with fan bases that are super engaged, like that's going to be insanity. If we thought it was bad this week, they, I mean, they literally won't be able to hear each other, not figuratively like it was today where it's like, yeah, I kind of can't hear you. Uh, so that's a little bit frightening for me just going forward. Like they have a lot of work to do in one week in terms of communication and getting on the same page uh, as a unit. I have two things. One, I don't believe of all the penalties, I could be wrong, but I don't believe a single one was Everson Griffin jumping off sides. So small victory. Two, we made a big kick when we needed to make one. So nice to see that actually, right? Like just didn't want to pass that one over. Otherwise we'll be out making another video, but uh i yeah i won't lie hand up i was ready to bet the house that thing was not going in i don't think anybody zimmer trotted him out there like it just nobody on earth thought he was going to make that kick joseph maybe was the only guy and did you see after the uh so they did the timeout the ice the kicker didn't work suck it um they i don't know who it was it was some like db and nobody was paying attention to him and he's just like walking right next to joseph just talking mad smoke in his ears i thought that was super funny like that is an all-time move like hey i would just be going left 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 (laughs) just hope that it gets in his head and then he misses left i'd be in the locker room for the rest of the year like hey you see that i told him to miss it left and he did like that was a good move. That's just sports, man. That's fun. It was also funny to me because you could tell, like, our kicker wasn't even, he didn't even, like, side-eye him. He did. He was looking straight ahead and didn't say a goddamn word. Like, you could tell he was just like, I'm trying to ignore you. And that dude was just talking. And finally, Brian O'Neill just came over and was like, get the fuck out of here to this guy. <laughs> um, that was that was a pretty that funny moment. But I th- honestly, this is how, when I know it's bad. I was like, I wonder if they would fake this because from 40, 40 yards away, I was like, oh, I wonder if, I don't know, maybe they'd just fake this and see if we get a touchdown out of it. Cause I, that's how I mean, insecure how, honestly, I was about it. How has Zimmer not tried that yet? Like if he missed that, the next one, like what we just have to go for it. Line the offense up again. <laughs> like, I think because Zimmer is a conservative coach, he'll be fired if he ever, if he did that, it doesn't work fired instantly. Like, I don't even think they that's, wait that that's long. The last, that's the last gasp right there. All right. We, we touched on Kirk. What do we think? Good game, bad game, stat line game. What was it? What did we see? What did we like? I thought he showed a lot of heart, a lot of grit, just some pure determination. He stuck in there for some, on that last drive, some big hits. Uh, I thought that drive in particular, Connor, you called it out. You liked that one. You started your own two-yard line, have to get a field goal to tie the game. 
he delivered, had some a, a fourth down. Like I said, he got hit hard a couple of times, some good throws, quick decisions. Uh, you know, that that was something I felt like we didn't see last year. Like I was expecting that drive starting at our four to end at our one. Mm-hmm. Like that's just kind of how it went last year. Like we were going to go backwards no matter what when the game was on the line. Um, so I thought that was impressive. Uh, the negatives, I thought, again, we still saw some things where it feels like for me, it's like he's been in the league too long to do some some of the things that he does. Like we're just, I think that's part of the frustration with him in, in general is that you don't see that progression that you want to see in terms of like decision-making and like comfortability in the pocket. Like Connor, you talked about it. You're like, if you're watching the TV and your internal clock's going off, why isn't his like, does he, has he have the wrong kind of sand in his sand dial? Is, is it the sun not at the right angle on his sundial? It's one of the little tiny pieces in his stopwatch in his left breast pocket broken. And it's just broken enough that you can't tell that it's not working exactly right, but it's not working exactly. Like what's going on there? Like, why is he holding the ball that split second too long? Cause it's, it's something that's always been the case. A recurring I, theme. Yeah. There was a, there was a, play early in the um it was in the first half we ended up scoring a touchdown and the play in particular there was a holding call on the defense so like it it was inconsequential but it was like we're inside the red zone and he holds this ball and ends up getting sacked back at like the 28 yard line so like loses yards on a play and the uh, the announcer's like you just 10 times out of 10 when you're in the red zone and it's not working and it's first down throw it out of the back of the end zone like that, that's kind of like a, it's like a rookie play to just not make that split decision. All right. It's not there. Rush is here. It's first down. I don't need to make a play right now. Live to see another down. He chose not to ends up losing yards. That's how, like we saw that a lot last year. That's how you end up with, instead of getting touchdowns when you're in the red zone, that's how you end up with field goals. It's like decision-making like that, but I don't know. It's just another, this game is a microcosm of, I think, what the whole season is going to be. It's going to feel like this a lot. Yeah, I think this game just made, I mean, obviously we lost, but I was mentally prepared to come on the podcast and say the exact same thing if we won, to be quite honest. Like, I just, I wasn't impressed. I don't think this. I I would not have called it a good win. I think they, they threw four quarters prior to overtime. I was in the position where I was like, our prediction of the season tie, right? Like that was like the first thing I thought of. I was like, well, we missed on that. It's just like, I, I don't, and maybe, who knows, maybe this Bengals team is like be- way better than we're giving them credit for. They got some playmakes on the outside. Joe Burrow had a nice game. I think some of the things that I thought about is, I mean, only getting sacked three times with a shitty of an offensive line. Um, I think there's a lot of pieces that play into that. I know, um, I don't know if we did tweet it, Dalton, but um, the the whole like not taking shots thing, and I think a lot of that plays into not having time. And then when we do want to take a shot, then we get sacked, right? Because and then it's like Kirk's holding the ball too long. So I think there's a lot of factors that probably play into that. Um, but it is frustrating that we just like feel like we refuse to like throw the ball down the field. But the fact that we only got sacked three times to me is like kind of a win. I think with our shitty offensive line and how much they were getting blown back in a lot of stages of the game, I was kind of impressed. Part of that probably they moved the pocket quite a few times in the second quarter, um, which is kind of like when we on that drive, our first touchdown drive, they started to move the pocket side to side, which I think helped a lot because Bengals were just like 
making wrong moves, you know, like going to the opening and then they realized they started to realize that they weren't going to where the quarterback is. They're going to where the offensive line's letting them go. Um, I was just going to say a good amount of like three sacks is there were a lot of like very egregious drag a guy to the ground holding penalty. Like when you got burned, drag him down, like that could have been hits, could have been sacks. Mm -hmm. So I think that is slightly deflated a little bit because of some of those bigger holding penalties. Uh, What do you mean deflated? I guess like the number of sacks. Like I think a couple of those for sure could have been sacked. Like they were so bad that the, it was Hill all the time. It was like, if I don't just drag him down, Kirk's going to get destroyed, which I think is the right choice. But like, if you're saying only three sacks, I think there could have been a few more. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I guess I, part of me gives, I, I guess my point is that only three sacks is pretty good for him getting the ball off quick, which is kind of like the Tom Brady approach to football. It's just like, throwing quick, quick routes to avoid sacks because that seemed like kind of the way we had to go with how the situation was working out. But your, your point's valid. Um, taking hits, same thing that I said. I thought he did. He stay, stood in the pocket and took some big hits, which is what you want to see, and that's what professional quarterbacks should do. So it's not really like a huge deal. It's just like nice to see. I think my big takeaway from this game was that this is the game that, people will sweep under the rug and be like, oh, the like Kirk haters will say, oh, we lost to the Bengals, but they don't give credit to the fact that he did things to put us in a position to win. And then Delvin fumbled and cost us the game. Like that stuff gets swept under the rug. This wasn't Kirk blowing the game. This put Kirk put us in a chance to win the game and we should have won the game. Had we not fumbled, we'd have kicked the field goal pending that goes through again something out of his control so i just feel like these are the type of games that we just forget about like he did everything to win us a game in sloppy fashion right like he made mistakes everyone made mistakes but this is the game where we he, we should have said oh kirk led the game winning drive to that field goal in overtime and now he's a winner right but people who call him a loser and w- want to think that he isn't a productive quarterback in the nfl these are the sort of situations that come to mind to me is where it's out of his hands that the situation falls out. And so instead of him getting a win on this game, he gets an L and you don't give L's to anyone, but quarterbacks and coaches in the NFL. So to me, like I think sometimes, and there are times when he does cost games, but like, this is one of those examples that people who don't like Kirk will sweep under the rug, similar to they'll highlight the stat padding games. And then people who do defend Kirk will highlight the stat padding games and sweep under the rug the games where he like doesn't compete as well. So it's all perspective, but I just like wanted to point that out in my my perspective. So take that, Lou. I was just going to say I 100% agree with what you guys are saying because it was really awesome to finally see him come through and we lost, yeah, but it was really exactly what you said, Connor, had nothing to do with Kirk. Like he didn't hold the ball for six seconds, sack and fumble. He didn't throw an interception. He did what he was supposed to do, got us in position. And then the guy we lean on, Dalvin Cook, ends up being the GOAT. Like, that's a bummer. So, yeah, you know, I'm not a huge... GOAT in the old term, not the new term of GOAT. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, sorry. That's for the the, kids out there. Used to mean something else. (laughs) So that so podcast count Kirk fans three now uh, haters one Dalton how does it feel to be on an island I will call this week to week but I wouldn't call myself a fan just yeah yet. week to week fan fence all season man classic Lou classic Dalton here's your time here's an unplanned bit 
Here's an unplanned bit, Ike. You said uh, island. Here we go. Let's go survivor style island. You guys have to vote one position group off the right. island after this game. We'll do this after losses. Who are you guys voting off? We'll see the last position group standing. Offensive line. I think to me it just comes down to it's it's offensive line or the DBs. Like that's what like there's a lot of things in football, but it comes down to those two things, right? Like it comes that that's why we lost today. It's one of those two groups I go offensive line as well. Rude. I thought DBs played better, much better in the second half too. Yeah. Comparatively. That's a good point. I've got uh, maybe a surprising one, but uh fullback, CJ Ham. Not a great game today. <laughs> that's way off not the wall. A great game but okay, today. well, I mean two out of three. Well, the other two would no, take you're, him. <laughs> you're right, though, because he did have that. He had a bad penalty in the first half. Yeah, two and then, false starts in the first drive, I think. Yeah, and then there was that play. I think it was either in uh, overtime no, or fourth game. quarter yeah. when he went to the sideline and he's that like yes. safety valve route and he went he like overran the route and it was like too close and like couldn't keep his balance. He was like too close to the sideline. And so he turned what could have been like an eight or nine yard gain into a one yard gain because he just couldn't keep his balance. Like that kind of stuff is like, that's just not executing. Yeah. Like so I, awareness zero. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause he was like heels on the sideline and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm two yards in. And then, cause as, as the play extends, the defenders were dropping back. So he catches that and then it's him in a corner. And I love that option. Love. Yeah. Okay. So who are we picking? Who are we voting off the island? I think we vote off the offensive line. I think line's got to go. I, I wonder if we vote off a position instead, or I, like one one person. Yeah, because there's like uh, what twenty two starters. So we get down to after seventeen weeks of games, the final five only on losses. What's that? Only on losses. Oh, we're not voting off on wins. Okay, then no. position groups. Well, it'll probably the way it's trending, it'll probably <laughs> 13, 14 then. Yeah. I think it's the offensive yeah. line. Rashad Hill, if we're going by players. Hill or Bradbury also not a great showing today either. Yeah, I mean, we did a great job across the board. Every offensive lineman had a penalty. That was good to see, you know, spreading the wealth a little bit there. I still think about as funny as it might be in the moment, I mean, Ezra Cleveland, I thought he played a decent game, which I was happy with. That Brian O'Neill played a pretty okay game. The other three positions I thought were subpar. And I would even say Rashad Hill may be the worst offensive lineman in the NFL right now, in my opinion. But I think this group, he's our left tackle. I love it. <laughs> Can't even hide him inside. Just yeah. stick him right out there with some of the best pass rushers in the league he's going to see. So that's really fun. And, and if we're being honest, who knows? Maybe Derisaw comes back and he sucks too. So it's just like at that point, we're just not identifying talent at the offensive line, right? Like, I don't know. Is the is the seat hot right now for Zimmer? Like, what, yeah. how, what's the leash looking like? Like, what what is the record before he gets canned? This year, what does it have to get to? I just feel like they're for, I don't know why really, but like, I just feel like they're going to give him a full season unless he's like two and whatever, two and 16, two and 15. 
Well, that would be a full season. Well, yeah, but like if he's two and ten at that point, two and twelve at that point, something. But like, yeah. But then again, if they let him go that long, I just feel like they're gonna let him go. I don't know. It's just a two and ten. You think he's gone? So that that would be answering the question. Yeah, I'll say yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Ike? I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm I I think I'm also with Lou, where I do kind of feel like he's just gonna get the whole year. Um, but I think at like a one and seven start, like it's, probably, it's yeah. he's been here long enough. Like I, I, I said this a little bit last week, but he's been here long enough where it's not as ridiculous to fire a guy partway into a season. Like some teams like will do it super fast. It's their first five games as a head coach and they fire him like that kind of thing. Like I, and you're like, Whoa, wow. How, how could they already assess him? But I think, Zimmer, when you look at him, is like he's supposed to be. Obviously, the defense has struggled these like the last year, and it's, we'll see this year, right? Um, but he's supposed to be like this very kind of hard nosed, uh, very disciplined style coach, not a player's coach. Like he's a X's and O's, like our team's going to be ready to go kind of coach. At, and, and like you said, very conservative offensively, especially. And I think we've seen that sort of hamstrings the offensive group a lot to try to benefit the defense. I think we've seen that in terms of play calling, wanting to control like the pace of the game and like eat clock as much as you can at the expense of the offense, which has like a lot more talent and way more weapons, you could say, uh, than the defensive group. But for me, it's like if they continue to come out and just not be ready to play, like if they're not disciplined enough to play a full game without having an, an absurd amount of penalties, if they look unprepared like this, that's, I think, when you start to question his ability, right, overall, because it's like, geez, this is supposed to be the thing that we don't have to worry about with you for this team. Like of, of all the things are going to go wrong, this shouldn't be one of them. So I think if it's, it's style, if the losses are style styled similar to to this one it it could get he could be gone fairly quick this year i don't know um i th- I think it's an interesting scenario because the beginning of our year is so challenging so like i was thinking like one in five pro- maybe one in six that point it's like gone you know and i look at the schedule and you're like we're front heavy so like that new coach comes in and all of a sudden, we rip off like four straight because our back half of our schedule is a little bit lighter. I know we talked about that with the season prediction episode. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thought for me is like, oh, man, new guy comes in and, you know, we go on a little bit of a tear because our schedule gets weak. It's like, oh, that's a good time to get the job. Um, but yeah, I think you make a lot of good points. I'd, I'd put it around one and six, too. One thing that I saw that I thought was interesting is Alexander Madison only got one carry today. Kind of a yeah, weird, I was gonna talk. Yeah, kind of a weird situation there. Surprised that he didn't get closer to, you know, six, seven, eight, almost ten carries. I know we didn't run the ball a ton. I think twenty-two times today, but still feels like it's unusual that Alexander Madison wouldn't get a handful of carries. You know, thought that was weird. Not sure if it, that was part of the game plan or that's just kind of how it transpired when we started getting down in the early in the second half. Yeah, I for me it feels like a product of being down two scores and not running the ball super well with Dalvin Cook. Kind of that—that's how I would chalk it up. I wouldn't say it's something I'm worried about long term, but 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting too because I feel like if I'm Alexander Madison, like I'm kind of frustrated with this game. I mean, losing sucks, but getting one carry for two yards and one reception for four yards, like I, I got to think he feels like he's a pretty integral part of the offense now. And when CJ Ham's getting more receptions than you, that probably sucks. <laughs> like, I don't know. Seems weird. Weird to me, but again, it is probably mostly just a, just a product of how the game transpired. But to me, it feels like earlier in the game you could use Alexander more. Um, but I don't know. That's it is what it is. So probably just reading between the lines a little too much. Be an interesting thing to keep an eye on, though, going forward. Yeah, indeed. Um, what did you guys think about that fourth and one call? So I guess this works both ways for the Bengals. They went for it on fourth down in that third quarter, right? It was on like their 30-yard line. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that fourth and one went for it, didn't get it. Uh, We end up scoring a touchdown. I think it was Thielen's second touchdown. On our fourth, on we had fourth down going back. Exactly, yep. Uh, That was a massive swing in momentum for the game uh, for the Vikings. And then obviously the fourth down ends up working out really well. The fourth and one in overtime, they go from probably tying to they get the win on that you know, play action tight end down the middle. Uh, that was a pretty cool play, pretty gutsy play. Uh, so I guess uh, for me, though, it felt like that fourth down in their own territory from the Bengals was like, it was going to be like, this is like why bad teams are bad. Like they, they just make decisions like this when our offense has nothing going all game. They've been beating their heads against the wall. Their oh, their D-line is getting after it, like pressures, tons of penalties, it's been sloppy. Like, don't give a team momentum, right? It just felt like at that time, honestly, I feel like the Vikings were lucky to even be in this game to get to overtime. And I think that that choice was the reason that we even got to the position that we were in. Because I think if they kick that away, the likelihood that we stall out another drive because of penalties or we you know, not getting anything going on the ground was pretty high. And like, then you have, then you start to press and then this could have been a really ugly ending for the game. So I thought it stunk that we lost. It was painful. I felt like we got screwed on two reviews, um, but we kind of got bailed out a little bit by the Bengals on this play in particular to keep us in the game. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Right in the moment, I was like, this is because I think before the game, they were talking about is it Zach Taylor that's the head coach for the Bengals? They were talking about he's like six and 25. And, um, and I was just like, six and 25, that it's hard to be that bad in the NFL, right? For two years in a row, like usually you squeak a, you know, a six win season out of it or something like that. But, that is why you are bad is you make decisions like that. Just like, no, no, the upside is so small on that fourth and one in your own territory. And the downside is so great. So I just thought, I agree completely. I thought after that moment, I was like, we might win this game where I was, it was looking pretty bleak for a while there. Um, My question is, does the Bengals coach then lean into this? Is he going for fourth downs all year? Now he's like, I've committed. I'm doing the fourth down bit. If so, they're going to be, they're going to run into some trouble and he's going to get canned for sure. Cause I, I just, I think that was a bad call. I think the fourth down at midfield in overtime, you just had a turnover. All the momentum's going your way. 
I think you have to capitalize on that in overtime. So that made total sense. I bet, you know, over, well over half of the coaches in the NFL would go for that fourth down in overtime. But similar to what Ike said, it was like, this is just the Bengals being the Bengals, not knowing how to win um, by not punting. I mean, yeah, just think of the amount of time potentially sucked off the clock if you punt it deep. Like now the Vikings are going to have to like force a three and out, go da- go back down the field and again score in order to like tie or win the game. So just felt like such a mismanagement of, of the game flow and like a terrible read of what was going on in the game too. Like mo- Vikings had zero momentum and then they just threw us this momentum. Yeah, it kind of feels like their coach is like, he's a younger guy. He's got obviously the young hotshot quarterback and he, it seems like he almost wants to be a little bit aggressive with him, like in that scenario. But yeah, thinking back on it, it's like, okay, yes, if you do get that fourth and one, it would be pretty demoralizing, but also like you're still 70 yards away from a touchdown. <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, and we haven't done anything. So it's like, I don't know, it could be a nail in the coffin, but it was also the third quarter. Like, I would much more understand it if it was like on the 50. But on your own 30, it's still, yeah, no matter how bad our offense was doing, it's still an NFL offense, like with one of the best running backs in the league and some of the best wide receivers in the league. So and think yeah, about it this way. Don't move. They got to stop. Like if you, if you just take that same result, but you had kicked a punt, we went, we had fourth and four, we would have punted. Like they stopped us again. We didn't get any, we didn't get a first down. We didn't move the ball. We only scored that touchdown because we literally had to go for it. Mm-hmm. And if you just punted away, we don't do that. You have the ball back in the exact same spot, just minus, you know, two minutes. Well, and exactly. that helps yeah. you if they, you're the Bengals. They were saying like Zim is definitely going to go for this because he probably doesn't think he's going to have another shot. Like he knows he needs to score a touchdown right now. And they just gave us that opportunity. So, yeah. all right. Uh, another positive. Thielen's sweet. I feel like he's, yeah, he's still back. fun to he's watch back. him run routes. Right? He's still the just, gold cleats. Yeah, love it. Yeah. What do you take? I on gold cleats. I'm not as big of a fan. I don't like them. You I think love, when we you wear don't the purple, love any flash. I think right. when we wear I'm the purple, boring. it looks really nice, especially the uh, and like the the color rush. Than the purple on purple. Another question: What do you think of the Bengals uniforms? Those I, I had heard on the radio. I, it was like the first time in seventeen years that the Bengals made a change to their uniforms. I'll lead it off. Per- I believe I, that, but <laughs> would love to hear your guys' perspective of them. Uh, I kind of liked them. They were yeah. they were white on white, and they just had like a little bit of black accents in them. And I, yeah, they they look pretty much more modern than the old like bright orange. Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton, like you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Redheads. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I like them. They're kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. I thought they looked clean on the field. Yeah. That's the word to describe them. I think clean is the perfect one. Glad they stuck with their helmet. Can't leave that helmet. It's too, it's just too, it is iconic. It's it. Yeah. It's got the it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it. Uh, speaking of kind of apparel, did you guys notice Stephen Weatherly was wearing like sunglasses, rec specs? So funny. Those were I thought iconic. he was wearing like a full face shield at one point. 
You know what they look like to me? This is this is a throwback, and I'm not sure if anybody's going to catch this I, one. But I think I know exactly where you're going, potentially. Okay, we'll, we'll see, because it's a weird one. But back in the day, you used to be able to buy this twin set of Nerf guns that would come with a tactical vest and a pair of performance glasses that were like sunglasses to protect your eyes. And it was supposed to be like this Nerf battle set. Google that because the glasses that came in that Nerf set were, I think, the exact pair that Stephen Weatherly was wearing. Just a hilarious. Out. Was that He's what you were thinking, Connor? Christmas 2003. <laughs> I literally have a picture of me and my sister both wearing the vests, and they had like points on the vest, like 30 yeah. <laughs> shot. Oh, God, yes. That is too funny. They were the little Velcro tips to them, too, so it would stick to the vest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh God! I yeah, think Stephen was helping his mom move. Found that deep in a chest somewhere in the basement. Was like, I am gonna pull these out and wear them anytime it's sunny. It also reminded so me to stick around. Of all Joseph picture. Uh, yeah, yeah, every time. Every time. I just wish guys would do funny stuff like that a little bit more often. Like it, it's not a big deal because it's not really gonna impact the performance for you. It might actually help. Like he's not gonna get poked in the eye or whatever. But like, if you're gonna wear sunglasses, just wear a funny pair. Lean into it. Yeah, that's awesome. So if we flip to the other side of the ball, I feel like we've kind of talked a ton about the offense. We've talked about the secondary, but I mean, we gave up 150 yards on the ground today. Joe Mixon went for one, almost 130 in a tutty. Are we at all concerned that just our defense overall is struggling a bit or or do we think that this was just kind of it is what it is type of situation? To me, it felt like they kind of got tired because there was a point in the game where Mixon and Cook were having almost identical games, Cook having a slightly better game. And it was sort of late in the game and it, it was towards the second half of the third quarter and then into the fourth quarter. They started really relying on Joe Mixon because they kind of got scared after Daniil Hunter's sack. Uh, Burrow came up limping a little bit, and they really ran the ball a lot after that, and they were having success. But to me, it felt a little bit like they just got tired, which you don't love to see game one. I know it was hot. They were saying down there, kind of hot and sticky, but uh, to get just worn down like that is not a great sign. I thought good things early on. you got to keep that up throughout the whole game. I don't know why they didn't, but it's kind of like the old college, uh, old college coach type of situation where it was like almost we didn't make a halftime adjustment. Like we just kind of like they made the halftime adjustment, and we just kind of went f- like just kept doing what we were doing. It kind of was like a lot of people talked about that with Patino, like we might have an okay first half and then the other team would make adjustments and it felt like we didn't. And then our second half, we'd just get run all over with uh, uh, on the court there for the Gophers basketball team. But yeah, that's kind of what it felt like to me. But I think it, it's probably a lot more to do with the, the tiredness because we were just getting kind of bodied for a bit there. Yeah. Yeah, one uh, bright side, obviously, Daniil, awesome to see him back in action um looks jack more jacked than ever too <laughs> like god he's a scary guy he's just monstrous out there i thought that he looked thicker this year than he had, uh, he had a full year of just past. working out you yeah know? he looked very thick um two seats and then i also uh i'm kind of a fan so far of this uh new new linebacker nick vigil 
I think he's he's going to be a pretty good um, compliment to Eric Kendricks. Obviously, it was tough losing Eric Wilson. He did an awesome job last year, but I think this guy's going to be pretty solid. Maybe Barr will come back eventually, but who knows with him anymore. Vigil has that emotional leader energy. He's he's that kind of guy flying all around and getting super fired up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other note on the linebackers is I think Eric Kendricks was using somebody else's helmet because he couldn't keep that thing on that to thing save his off. life. Yeah. It was every play it was off and he's looking for a penalty. It's like, dude, uh, his that hair, is boycotted wolf. Flying because, everywhere. Yeah, if, if your helmet comes off every time and there's one time where a guy got his hand underneath it, you're probably not going to get that call. Just that, that that goes back to a few episodes ago. That's just one for the kids there. Just a good boy who cried wolf reference. <laughs> Life lessons podcast. I honestly one I guess positive spin was I felt like uh, Michael Pierce generally had a decent game. Um, He's pretty good. I know he is also massive. Yeah, I think <laughs> that guy's huge. In my car, Michael. Um, I just thought it was, I I know we don't always watch like the interior defensive line that much, but I thought he came up with that big sack where he had a sweet swim move on the center, um, right at the end of the fourth quarter around that time, like kind of towards the end of the game. That was fun. Um, actually, I think it was the first drive in overtime. He stopped that drive on a third down, did a swim move on the center. So that was fun. I thought he generally played a pretty decent game in the middle. Yeah, I'd agree. One uh, one more point I have was I think there was a big play towards the end of the game. Um, it was an incompletion, and it was actually probably one of the best plays Breland had today. But uh, then Harrison Smith came flying across the middle, and you've seen it a hundred times where he just spears the guy. And then he looks around, he gets tossed, he gets the penalty. But yeah, he threw the hands up, did a little spin out of there. So very nice to see him not just get go for the kill shot and uh, put us in a bad spot and then possibly get ejected from the game. So that's great. Growth and maturity. Mm-hmm. He's a vet. He's a seasoned vet now. All right. We're going to do a fun new segment to end it here. Calling it the MVP. Very creative, most valuable player. Uh, I'm sure you guys have never heard of this, but um, Google should help you out. Just type in MVP. Don't type in mpv you might get an old mazda <laughs> minivan from back Shout in the out. day somebody i know well used to drive one of those and they are truly mvps those things were indestructible so folks tough start and one on the season there were some bright spots there were some dark points but who's your mvp of game one week one uh, for me, it's pretty clear. Adam Thielen, two touchdowns, back in action. Not much more to say. Great game. Yeah, I think I think Adam Thielen's a great pick. I think it's a probably it would be a a, a pretty pretty popular pick. I'm gonna actually go with Eric Kendricks. I know he missed a couple tackles. I think he's gonna be a common name when we win games this year of being the most valuable player. He's just so crucial to our defense, and I think he's. I mean, if, if our defense is going well, you know he's having a great game is kind of my thought. So I'm going to go with Eric Kendricks. It's a good pick. Love it. I'll round it out, folks, with got to got to praise them when they do well. If you're going to hate them when they do bad, I'm going Greg Joseph. 
That was a big kick. Um, Great pick. To step up, haven't kicked all year, haven't kicked in a game for a couple of years. Brand new team with a lot of history of hating kickers and bad luck with kickers and to just go in there and bang one in. Uh, Kudos to him. So hopefully we see more of that. Our kicker guy. That's our kicker guy on this podcast. (laughs) I also thought the punter did well. Uh, early yeah, that, rock, yeah, that one punt at the end where he booted it like 60 yards. He was pumped. The word is love punch. that. Didn't do great. Awesome Nobody cares about the beginning of the game, but when we needed him, he tucks one inside the 10. But got to act like he's been there next time, right? He's done it once. <laughs> get I was almost ready to get a 15 taunting for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just completely <laughs> neutralized the whole punt. Zimmer would be. Oh, he would caught him on the spot. Hunter yeah. for sure. Yard celebration penalty. Anyone want to do a least valuable player? I think we all know Rashad Hill. Just, just say it again for the people Rashad in the back. <laughs> all right. Well, tough week for the Vikes, but hopefully you had fun listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Mean Market Podcast brought to you by Tom Sports. See you next week. Bye, guys. Talk to you later. Go, go Wolves. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.